0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: From Variety, celebrating 115 years covering the business of entertainment. This is the Award Circuit podcast.
3: My Emmy experience feels like a dream because it happened in quarantine. So that's right. Did it happen? Or
4: was was it like an elaborate prank? It was an elaborate prank. It's the longest, most pointless episode of Black Mirror.
2: Last year, Maya Rudolph won two Emmys for her voiceover work on Netflix's Big Mouth and also as a guest star on Saturday Night Live. But she won the Emmys while watching them virtually from home. So as Big Mouth co-creator and star Nick Kroll jokes, maybe it was all a ruse. I'm Michael Schneider. On this edition of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast, we have a wild chat with Emmy nominees Nick Kroll and Maya Rudolph, and we talk big mouth, but plenty more, too. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. Later in the episode, we also chat with Antisema from another Netflix show, the addictive Emmy nominated series Indian Matchmaking. It's all next on this bonus edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Season four of Netflix's delightfully filthy coming-of-age animated series Big Mouth focuses on anxiety. The anxiety of growing up, of figuring out who you are, discovering yourself, accepting yourself, and more. The season starts out at summer camp before eighth grade and introduces new characters such as Maria Bamford as Tito the Mosquito, the anxiety-ridden insect who targets everyone. Of course, Co-creator Nick Kroll is back as Nick, the self-conscious, almost adolescent boy with overprotective parents, while Maya Rudolph is Connie the Hormone monstrous, who initially was Jesse and Missy's hormone monster, but has become Nick's as well. Well, at least for a while. We need to
3: talk about us.
4: Ugh, fine, let's just do it on the bus. I'm not getting on the bus, sweetie. Why, because it smells like B.O. and jizz? No,
3: those are my favorite smells, you know that. No, Nick, I can't do this. What do you you mean? I mean, I can't be your hormone monstrous anymore. Oh, come
4: on. We had one fight. Is this about the hair comment? Look, I'm sorry. It's
3: not that. Although, mother... Hey, listen, we had some great times together, and I know you're going to make some other monster really, really happy. Oh, 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 hold
4: on. Are you... Like, breaking up with me right now? Is this because of Jesse?
3: I was with her first. It's a conflict of interest.
4: Fine, you know what? Let's break up. Look,
3: I think you're a wonderful boy.
4: Oh, thank you. You know what? You don't get to be nice to me now, Connie. That's not how this works. And FYI, we're not going to be friends after this. Wait, Nick, come on. Don't contact me on my birthday. I'm not rooting for you. And if anyone asks, I'm going to say bad stuff about you. I can tell you're upset. I'm not is. upset. Actually, Connie, I'm relieved. Because I don't need you, and I don't need anybody.
3: Okay, fine. Goodbye, Nick. F-
4: you, Connie. Your hair's dry. Use conditioner.
3: You don't mean that. My hair is fantastic. <sighs> <sighs>
2: Big Mouth continues to explore human sexuality and everything around it, including racial and sexual identity, love in all its forms, and having the hugest period ever. Rudolph is again nominated in the same two categories she won last year, while Kroll, as executive producer, is nominated for Outstanding Animated Program, the third year in a row for Big Mouth. I recently spoke to Kroll and Rudolph together and we talked about season four of the show in addition to what to expect next season, as well as with the spin-off series Human Resources, which dives into the world of the hormone monsters and the shame wizard. We also talk about the shift in Missy's voice from Jenny Slate to Io Edabiri and a lot more. And at one point, Nick's brother enters the room to hand him a sandwich and things take quite a detour there, too. What I'm saying is this interview is all over the map, but it's a lot of fun. We started, and I'm not even sure how this came up on a gray hair that Rudolph had found.
4: There's one hair, one gray, one gray hair, hair, one alpha, alpha Look at alpha, that alpha right there.
3: That is that is that is age in all its glory. I'm gonna but leave it there. You should. Cause it's because I, it's I can't, can't block it. Did I can't you get buck. it? Nope.
4: Ugh, isn't it amazing when your gray hairs take on a completely different texture than the rest of your hairs?
3: I'm not surprised. I'm going to be a very wiry afroed old lady.
4: Is that where you're going to go? Is that where it's going to head? Is that are you? Are you? I
3: don't think I have a choice.
4: Well, this is a good opportunity for me to tell you about a gentleman by the name of Chaz Dean. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's the guy in the billboards.
4: Oh yeah, it's the guy in the billboards. It's the guy on my Instagram. <laughs> I spent a lot of time on his Instagram.
3: Are you Chaz Dean? I might
4: be Chaz Dean, if given. Yeah, depending on if I'm being sued for making people's hair fall out. I am. I am either or not Chaz.
2: <laughs> I would not be surprised. Well, I would not be surprised. Thanks both of you for taking a moment, and congratulations yeah, sure. on the the, the nominations. And I I love that you are you are nominated for the exact same things you won last year at the Emmys. So. I'm a
3: pretty old fashioned gal. I like to keep things simple. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like I feel very, um, I, it just feels very fitting to me and perfect. I like I like that these are my nominations. I'm very proud of of what's happening.
2: Yeah, yeah. there's like a nice order to it. And yeah.
4: You haven't, and you're, you are you not happy that you were not nominated for short form, outstanding, short form, non narrative, unscripted?
3: I picked myself up, I licked my wounds, and I got over it. Hold on one. Hold on one second. I have to meet.
4: This is an actual Emmy walking in. <laughs> exactly.
3: Um, well, because,
2: yeah, and 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 Nick, obviously, another nomination in the uh, animated program. And uh, it's the premiere episode of season four. That, yeah. Uh, and group.
4: I just want to say I'm so so relieved that I was not nominated for voice uh, to because I did not want to be in I didn't it would have been embarrassing to beat Maya and so it's such a relief yeah. to not be recognized.
3: You could uh, kill me off. you could kill me off anytime on this show. You know uh, that. We
4: we could not. We would literally there would be a protest unlike anything this country has ever seen.
3: If didn't, no. Isn't that what happens on, like, soap operas when, like, so, the, like, one of the cast members has gotten too big for their britches? They, like, the character dies. Yeah,
4: yeah Connie got hormone monster cancer, and... <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, because... she had to operate on herself.
4: That's the deal. And yeah. she just... And her hair, because it would be her hair doing the operation. She was and... doing
3: a hair transplant on herself.
4: <laughs> oh, my God. That would be... That would be truly devastating. Um, The hard
2: thing about if you were to lose Connie, she she still gets some of the best lines of of the entire
4: series. No
3: shit. Why do you think I work on this show? (laughs) Yeah.
4: Oh, that's right. But you would still exist. It's crazy to think, right, you would, you would, there's, and the thing is, is Maya is obviously Connie and she's my mom, Diane. And then she's like a hundred other little voices sprinkled throughout. Um which, uh, I mean, that's if you if you didn't realize when you get my Rudolph, you get a you get a hundred little voices. That's into. how
3: Connie was born. I was originally I'm, I'm proud to say I was originally cast as your mother mm-hmm. and Fred Armisen and I played your parents, which I thought was like just dream casting scenario. Like if you had to like, who are the two people I would love more than anything to be my parents? Like, yeah, yeah. this makes sense. This makes yeah, sense. totally. And then like anything, they, send, they give you these little fun things, these little nuggets, these little fun nuggets that you get to do. And sometimes they play a dirty motel pillow or a principal or all these fun little things. And then I remember one week they said, um, Nick is doing a hormone monster. We want you to do a hormone monsters for, for Jesse. So that's sometimes how the little spe- special things are born.
4: Yeah. It's, yeah it is I, I, I you're absolutely right and I kind of forget about that that when um, the show began, it's much like society uh, the show began we just thought that there were hormone monsters for the boys and then we remembered that there was also a female experience. Um, and we rushed to uh, we rushed to fix that and straight to the source, yeah, straight, straight to the source of female desire. And it was <laughs> Maya Rudolph. And but truly, and I, I very clearly remember working the sessions and and you finding bubble breath, like finding that, and then and then it was off to the races. And then she's become such an important part of the show and the spinoff. It's 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 been a like it was really it really expanded our our concept of the show once you you got once you found that character of Connie and we realized how it, seminal important it was for not only for Jesse and her and her art but the show itself.
2: Yeah. yeah t- talk about the 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 spinoff so so how did it lead all the way to doing human resources and then sort of bringing the shame wizard in and, and sort of creating this whole other universe? When did you realize? oh, there's, there's a whole other series here.
4: Um, well, I think we, you know, I think it's at the end of season two that the kids go up into the world of the monsters, into the workplace, and we see where they all worked, where Connie and Maury worked. And um, we realized what a fun, rich space that was. And... And then I think like after season three, we we kept thinking about that world, and we we kept building specifically like Maury and Connie's relationship between them, and realized how rich that that relationship was. And we added the Shame Wizard, and then um, by season four, we an, a, added Tito the Anxiety Mosquito, voiced by Maria Bamford, and um, and the Shame Wizard, voiced by David Thewlis, and and all these other characters that started to come in and we realized that it would be so fun to, to see that world. And, and also, you know, big mouth is all about puberty. Um, and all these kids there, and the monsters and creatures are always advising these kids as they go through this thing. But that if you open it up to human resources, that you would be able to, we'd be able to explore all these other elements of, of a life lived of marriage and death and, uh, illness and birth and, um, all the all the facets of the human experience that that if we if we focused on the monsters and creatures we would get access to those stories as well
2: yeah well, you you mentioned uh you know some of the the voices uh bringing in tito the anxiety mosquito i mean maria bamford just perfect for that role
4: yeah she's the i mean next to my rudolph um, which I think I'm contractually supposed to say. Is that right, Maya?
3: Yeah, is that cool? No, to say, no, say Emmy, win- Emmy winner. Maya Emmy
4: next to Emmy winner.
3: <laughs> he has to say that about me when we're when we're alone. Yeah, when we're in, when we're in private.
4: I go, hey, two time Emmy winner Maya Rudolph. Um, do you want to get lunch this afternoon? Or-?
3: Honestly, my my Emmy experience feels like a dream because it happened in quarantine. So that's right. Did it happen, it or, was, did. or was it like an elaborate prank? <laughs> it,
4: was a, it was an elaborate prank. It's the longest, most pointless episode of Black Mirror any of us have ever, <laughs> and we did it, and we did oh. it for real. It was. Was it, uh,
3: it, was it for my birthday? That 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 actually feels like a birthday that someone might like. Like you guys. Yeah.
4: yeah, you get to win an you get to win an Emmy and give a speech over Zoom. Like that's the that's. <laughs> I mean, also, though, I mean, it it is, there is something probably nice about it. I mean, this year it's in person. The Emmys are in person this year. I
2: think. As of right now. As of right now. change. They've already pulled back. You're going to have to now sort of decide who, because I think they're limited to four people from a production. So,
3: Nick, I'm bringing Nick three times.
4: (laughs) Well, does anyone, is the Delta variant nominated for anything? Because if not, it doesn't have to show up. I
2: think they're performing. I think the Delta variant's actually uh they are playing the in memoriam. Um, oh,
4: really? Yeah. I mean, honestly, the I would I'd love to have Delta Burke there. More than more than the Delta variant. I would like yeah. Delta. I
3: I'll, I'll drink to that. <laughs> I'll
4: drink from a, a second mug. For those of you listening to the podcast I'm not on Zoom with us, uh this is Maya's second mug and this mug is somewhere between a mug and a sippy cup, I would say.
3: It is my child's uh, sippy water bottle that I put my smoothie in this morning.
4: Aww. What are you putting in your smoothies these days, Maya?
3: A lot of cocaine and a little <laughs> bit of uh, banana. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get through the Emmys.
4: Yeah. Wow. Trying to, like, just a couple, like, three to four solid BMs, or not even solid BMs, <laughs> a little, <laughs> BMs a day to just get me like, ready. ready.
3: Just pure liquid.
4: Just, yeah. just, just emptying out that body to get to get into that Emmy dress. You know, we've all oh, been in yeah. quarantine a while. Yeah, my, oh flush
3: my... flush that quarantine fifteen.
2: <laughs> how 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 would you guys describe your your Emmy experience last year? Because it was all remote.
3: Did you even watch the the sort of the the, the stream or I don't you were. My category was not during the, the the prime time, so I got the like. I got a phone call, which was delightful.
4: <laughs> Did you get a phone call like at that moment or on the day? Like you got a phone call at that moment, being like, yeah. "You're on, you want?" Yeah,
3: because wow. I think it was maybe it was maybe on cable. I'm not to be honest. I believe
4: I- it was on. Yes, like some channel, like FXX or something yeah. like that.
2: And did you have to pre-record like a, a, an acceptance speech beforehand, sort of? No, you
3: know? no. I, I mean, I was genuinely surprised I got to do it after. And it was actually it was actually very like like uh, quarantine birthdays and things like that. It was actually very nice. Like it was just nice to have a moment of, um, uh, you know, something a, a little bit of a light and, and um, some sort of moment of being grateful for for being uh, remembered or acknowledged you know you kind of forget it was odd it was yeah. a but i know what you mean about
4: the birthdays too there's something about the quarantine birthdays that were weirdly special and intimate yeah. and you're you're kind of uh, was your family around when you won were, were you with were you around uh,
3: i was with some members of my family like we were not prepared it wasn't like we were all sitting around waiting like yeah some kids were in the room and I walked in the room and said, I just won an Emmy. We like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it, was great. it was
4: great. And then you walk like, back in like 20 minutes So you're like, I just won an Emmy. <laughs> and they're like, We heard you, Mom. <laughs> they're like, no. Nah. Number two. We,
3: uh,
4: we we made a video in case we won. Um and uh I think I posted it when we did not win anyway. Uh and it was just me crying for like f- however long we were given. And then I, we listed the credits of everyone involved in the show That's uh, because, you know, because those speeches are, I, I don't know. I, I wonder, I mean, it's boy, I miss, I miss No Key alive You know what I mean? I really, you want to be down in that, that stadium space to, oh. uh,
3: to feel everybody's body temperature next to yours. Mm. So
4: the hungry breath of people sitting there for two and a half hours to get through all of the unstructured reality, short form programming.
3: Hungry people. breath.
4: Yeah. It's like being how in shul.
2: How, how are both of you doing? Uh, how uh,
3: has Great. This
2: unusual year been for, for both of you?
3: Um, I, I gotta be honest. I've been in and out of what the fuck is happening
4: yeah
3: and then sometimes just like well gotta accept what's happening and i'm cool masking up just as long as you know i mean i think working in quarantine has been
4: Mm.
3: a very interesting experience i was just out of the country working in quarantine i was in Mm. Ireland the entire summer which is a different mindset about quarantine and there's less divisiveness in that country. So there's less of that angst, which was kind of a relief to not be around for mm. three months. Mm. Um this I, got issues, y'all.
4: Yeah, I know. Well that's what's so that's what is so currently upsetting is I mean, it's the the fear of it all, but the the as you said, the divisiveness, like the toxicity of the conversation yeah. is almost as like feels like almost more crushing than the, I agree. the than what we have to deal with like of day-to-day stuff uh similarly i've done i popped in and out of some work um i was not in ireland for the summer um
3: you know what i was going to invite you
4: yeah no i
3: but i felt you. like you didn't want to self-isolate in a government mandated hotel for 14 days in order to see me i well, felt like that wasn't your style
4: no i mean i I mean, I did, all, I, I did offer, and you, you, in, you said you intuited that I actually didn't want to make that sacrifice, and so I appreciate you making that jump. But uh, yeah, no, I uh, this. I mean, besides, yeah, I guess, I guess, besides being shunned, besides flying to Ireland and then being told by Maya that there wasn't really time to hang, um, it's been, <laughs> it's been, uh, it's been such a weird time. I mean, I. I had a child. I got married and had a child during the quarantine, during this whole thing. And so in a weird way, it's been a really beautiful uh, time to be with my family. And uh, we've been very lucky with the animation that we've been able to, especially last year before anything was open in any way, we con- persisted on and continued making the both Big Mouth and then Human Resources unabated,
1: mm-hmm. uh, which
4: was... Amazing, challenging in its own way. As Maya dealt with uh, regularly of having to record like under a towel or a blanket in a right, closet. Yeah, under,
3: the, under the blanket was my favorite one. That was like taking a furniture blanket and and draping it across two chairs and getting underneath with with a self appointed microphone. And it felt like when they when they cut that hole in the blanket for for wedding
0: night.
4: <laughs> yes. Orthodox Jews, as Maya and I both are, um, hyper-religious Jews who could only have sex through a a sheet on our wedding nights. Um, Yes. I mean, it was that I was, I will say this, Maya, while I was disinvited to Ireland, Maya did invite me to that to that experience, which I was grateful for, and it's beautiful, and something I'll truly never forget. <laughs> but uh, so the so recording in the quarantine and our, our incredible crew, uh, artists and animators and directors, uh, editors, sound mixers, everybody working remotely during all of this to keep the train moving and and maybe. We ended up finishing Big Mouth, which we were in the middle of season five, like was done entirely and all of Human Resources was done entirely in um, quarantine and lockdown. And, and it's a it was a really incredible feat. So just a quick shout out to all of the crews and people who work on these shows who have had to make all these things in isolation from each other and in quarantine and make constant solves and solutions to, to get it done is inc- we a real feat.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's going to continue to be an interesting story. The fact that you're recording and in, in, in like the, these blanket forts, like Maya was mm-hmm. saying, and the things that you all were able to do at your homes,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: he'll pull off something that that looks fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Well, let me let's let's talk real quick about season four and the uh, you, so you're nominated for the first episode at camp. Uh, obviously, season four sort of kind of has like these different elements. Uh, you Kick off at camp before returning um but uh, you know, take me to that episode uh since that's the one that's nominated and mm-hmm. sort of the uh you know the fun in sort of you know moving them to that environment uh you know when when things things open up uh you know Nick and Andrew are you know their their friendship is on the rocks uh you had an opportunity to bring in a new character in Natalie uh mm-hmm. by Josie Tota which was sort of a, a great new sort of uh you know sort of uh, element to the show Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, how would you sort of like describe what you were sort of going for with with the return of season four?
4: Well, we've we've sort of gone somewhat chronologically, you know, in most animated shows, kids don't age. um, Characters don't age. But in our show, because it's about puberty and adolescence, we've we've continued to move them forward in time so that they can continue to physically and emotionally evolve. So we sent them to summer camp and or nick and andrew and jesse and um so they're all at a camp together and we introduce uh, nick's best camp friend who is played by seth Rogen, and uh and his full name is seth goldberg it was a little inside joke for us because his writing partner and best friend from childhood is evan goldberg and mine is andrew goldberg who andrew clauberman is based on so we thought there was fun stuff of like Camp best friend stuff. And then Jessie's also at this camp, and she becomes friends with Josie's character, Natalie, who is a trans girl who uh, the previous summer had been there before uh, transitioning as Nate. Um, And we wanted to tell a trans story, um, but we also – what we try to do in this first episode, we're setting it up is, is tell a story about a trans kid. Who's it's not entirely about their transness that, that that's this entirety of their identity. Um, and so she's also just Jesse's friend as Jesse gets the hugest period ever, uh, which uh, Maya as Connie plays a large part. In, and there's a whole lot of her like, uh getting swimming around in tampons and jesse doesn't know how to use a tampon she's used pads till this point and then she's sneaking around trying to find tampons and then this tampon pad sucks up all the water in the lake uh and connie is water skiing unsuccessfully um so um but it's this three episode arc but beginning with this at camp but it's this first episode sets up the whole season um, and yeah, it was, it was a fun, uh, deviation for us. And, and in that episode, also in that first episode, we are introduced to Tito, the anxiety mosquito, as we said, and played by, uh, Maria Bamford who bites Nick and we, which then leads to a theme for the entire season, which is anxiety, which we have felt, uh, we all experienced in adolescence, but I think even more now kids are really, struggling with anxiety in a major way and, and on a level that i think we did not deal with as much i think because of as every the state of the world social media phones everything around them um that leads to i think to heightened levels of anxiety and so uh, maria gets introduced and, and she's i mean she's part of what's great about maria's the voice of tito is great but also one thing that we realize with anxiety is that it 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 manifests itself of like what you think other people are saying about you and things. And Maria can do any voice. So she could do Tito, then Tito doing Seth Rogen or Tito as John Mulaney's voice or whatever. So um, we were trying to balance and juggle a lot of balls. Meanwhile, at home uh, Lola and Jay are two of the kids who are like home for the summer kids. And at first start to fight, but then realize slowly that they have much more in common and than they ever thought they did as like truly abandoned children um and we begin to see what will burgeon into a a, you know a season-long romance between them
2: yeah i mean that's what's always been great about big mouth is is sort of just that that broad raunchy comedy but with some real real i mean heart but then also issues i mean dealing with anxiety dealing with consent uh, dealing with, uh, you know, the, bringing in a trans character, like you mentioned. And also, you know, talk about Missy. Obviously, that was you know, one of the big changes that you made this year. Mm-hmm. And and you found a way to sort of uh, address the transition in uh, the, the vocal talent behind Missy. but And also sort of addressing Missy, sort of embracing her identity as mm-hmm. African-American and figuring out just who she is. Surrounded by family as well. Uh, and you know that seemed like a, a really solid way to you know transition also that character in real life, uh, mm-hmm. also on the show. Um, so talk a little bit about that. Um,
4: yeah, it was it was you know as the show again as the show evolves and these kids evolve, we continue to explore more elements of their their identity and and our writers uh, and really sp- our our specifically our diverse writer staff really fell in love with Missy and found real embraced her as as their own and as we started entering more going further into seasons you know her i her racial identity became something that they were really excited to talk more about um and it was becoming more and more difficult to do that with jenny a, a, a white jewish woman voicing the character um and really what what happened was we Uh, you know, in, in light of BLM and the, and the murder of uh, George Floyd, it, the tenor of everything really started to change. And, and Jenny came to us to her credit and was like, I don't think I should play this character anymore. And we talked to our, specifically our black writers to see how they felt about it. And, and they were like, you know, Jenny's amazing. She's done a wonderful job. We love Missy, but yeah, this feels like a good opportunity and a time to change. And so we then looked at the season and figured out where, cause we had already recorded the, basically the entire, we'd done the whole season at that point. And we, you know, we found a good spot um, where it felt like there would be a natural transition because this whole season is really about Missy reckoning with her identity, her racial identity, her, uh, and, and so much more about who she was and is. And um, so we were sort of already trying to, struggling with that or, or watching her struggle with it and um the end of that of season four she really comes to grips with the idea that she is a mosaic of all these different people and all these different versions of missy and so that mosaic missy then she looks in a mirror and talks to mosaic missy and it felt like a very natural place to introduce io debri who had been a writer on on the previous season of big mouth and was a you know a friend of the of our show and and she auditioned as, alongside like so many people from casting normal as well as like people off twitter and instagram and really just casting the net super wide and um and io won the part and and is such a great uh addition to the show and a great evolution of the voice of misty like i mean that's the beauty of it being puberty is like kids voices are changing people's personalities are changing who they are who they want to be and so um we did our best to 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 make it work and and try to do it mindfully and and in a weird way luckily because we had already been struggling to for her to to delve further into who she was that we there it, there was a natural way to do it we found so
2: talk about you know speaking of you mentioned the show sort of uh, continues it's it's sort of in real time a little bit as these kids are getting older so 30 years from now when you're doing big mouth um, you know, they're, they're going to be a tad older. You introduce Nick Starr, uh-huh. you know, talk, talk a little bit about Nick Star and, and, and Nick I've Starr. read other you've mentioned that this is sort of a commentary on where you are in life. And you're mentioning like you are sort of a, at a transitional period in your life. And so Nick Starr gave you an opportunity to kind of play.
4: Yeah. That. Well, I think if when we're doing the show in 30, 40 years, it'll be a, a really funny story about uh, Nick Star being on a Zoom. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh,
3: <laughs> That's the
2: Zooms for a year.
3: You know? Know.
4: With, Maya, with Maya Reindeer is her name? Is the is the? <laughs> I mean
3: that 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 masks it beautifully, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, talking yeah, about was, fiber, talking about yeah. a lot of fiber,
4: and talking a lot about smoothie fibers and sippy mm-hmm. cups and. Um the yes, the the you know, Nick, Nick's character goes on an evolution this season. It, the the hardest thing for me was, is this this season? I think it is yeah, where Connie and Nick, um, yeah, break up. Right?
3: Is that this season? Is that I don't this know.
4: is that season three? I can't. remember I don't remember know. We recorded
3: anymore. it a very long time ago. It all starts pre-quarantine. I feel like right.
4: I can't. I I don't honestly remember, but it's still impactful for me. The idea that like Nick very Nick's sad. hormone monstrous was Connie, and then um they they split. It made me very sad. Um, but um, yeah, no, I, I think uh, yes, the show is weirdly like um. Is in its own way weirdly somewhat autobiographical, and that you know Nick has this whole season about his struggles with anxiety, uh leading to the end of the season, culminating with a near the end of the season with a anxiety dream about. Yes, it's this season. It's season four that Nick and Connie break up because yeah. she can't. She's Connie. She's Jesse's hormone monstrous and Nick, and she can't be impartial. And right, she's above the Barrys boot camp, and she hears. Allison blow out her knee and <laughs>
3: <That's> correct <laughs> they, they killed her
4: They shot Allison um, But uh, anyway Nick So you know There's this He has this anxiety dream About the future And he meets his Or he sees his future self. Nick Starr Who's like a 40-something um, Game show host yeah. um and it's a struggle with Nick Starr figuring out whether he can be with anyone and whether he's going to be choose intimacy or allow himself to be seen and known and um and the anxiety around that um it was weirdly uh some autobiographical about where I was at that time in my life uh and um obviously I I think I I was able to you know art can be really the show is weirdly therapeutic can be um uh, in that we are, we, as you mentioned, we are talking about very raunchy, gross things, but we're also genuinely trying to understand what this experience is. And, and I think for me, the show, the reason it's continues to be interesting is because it's found puberty is this hugely foundational experience in our lives, and it, and it affects us for the rest of our lives in so many ways. And so the stuff that I was dealing with in puberty stuff that I in my 40s, I'm still talking about in therapy. And, um so to then have that some of that stuff reflected in the show and, and in a weird way, help me work through the idea of like, no, I don't want to be like floating alone in space uh, by myself. I, I, I don't I don't want to live that life. I, I want to open myself up to, you know, intimacy and love and stuff. So uh, Big Mouth saved my saved my life is what I'm trying to say. There you go.
2: I think
3: that's... that's You're dramatic. welcome. You're welcome.
2: <laughs> the FYC ad, Big Mouth saved my life.
3: Oh, that's so sweet.
2: I yeah. mentioned that you get some of the best lines of the show. Are there any that sort of stand out or, or any favorite songs from, from recent, either this season or, or recent seasons? That
3: um, well, I think Bubble Bath took on a level that I was not expecting. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I like many other uh, red blooded Americans were fascinated at its meteoric rise. Uh, it mm-hmm. it people started making their own songs to it. I saw a drag show done to it. Um, I'm multiple
4: elated. tattoos like m- beyond multiple. multiple. Well, this
3: whole sh- this whole show is multiple tattoos. A yes. lot of people get big mouth tattoos. I don't know that I'd ever seen that before, certainly not, you know, in relationship to my own work. But I have
4: a it, whole back tattoo from forever.
3: That makes sense, though.
4: <laughs> that makes Fred. sense.
3: That's on brand. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's pretty amazing. And I have to say that it's a, it is it is kind of like the, per- the quintessential Connie – uh, phrase because it's um, it just embodies her. It's, it's the way that she speaks and it's so juicy and fluid and, 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 and sort of like all encompassing of just how much she takes a bite out of language, you know?
4: It's yeah. one of the things that I love most about Maya's performance in the show is her ability to find new and wrong ways to pronounce things. But um, I have to
3: say like I miss the days of cuz when we were when pre-quarantine we did get to record together sometimes yes. and um Nick really speaks connie very well. And so there'd be times where I'd be saying stuff and then he'd say can you say it like der, der, der. like whatever it was and it was like oh yeah that's right. He he knows. He knows. And it the most, was like the perfect little mm,
4: Well that's what I miss. I miss that the most of from this, from doing the show, which we were able to do, but I miss like being in the room with Maya and
3: yeah, that's huge It's it really a difference. And it's also like, it's the thing about the kind of work that I like doing is like, I like working with funniest people that make me laugh the most. And it just makes me feel funnier. And you just create something in the room that's better. And we were able to have those moments here and there for, for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why more animation doesn't record that way because I think it's a dream, especially when you have so many talented people. Yeah, you get them in the same room. It's there's nothing greater.
4: Well, and it's like I won't get vaccinated, and so Maya won't get back in the booth. All right,
3: listen, dude.
4: My body, I, my show. My body, my show. <laughs>
3: my body, my show. Is it? <laughs> I have a great um, place for you to go. Oh yeah! It's right over here. Just come with me. Okay. Right.
4: You can't see this, but she's going to lure me to Ireland again.
3: No, it's my, it's my anus. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which is... Is... Go ahead. Go ahead. Hey, Maya, what was it like to do um, SNL this season in front of an audience in an age where not many people were getting mm-hmm. to. Uh,
3: it was challenging. What? It was, it was challenging because it was so different, but then weirdly, Similar to what Nick was saying about Big Mouth, like it did become a bit therapeutic. It was certainly therapeutic because we were dealing with this pre-election and we were dealing with the fucking bizarre time that we were going through in real time. I mean, I was there the week that Trump got COVID and so, and I think we found it on a Friday and things had already been written, you know, and so they they got rewritten and things were changing in real time. Or, you know, when we finally, um, you know, found out about the election, it was Saturday morning, you know, before the show. And um, it was exciting. It was, uh, for me, having been in that building for so many years and having it be my home, it was comforting. Um, because I knew that it was being handled safely. And I feel like anything that's happening in Rockefeller Center, it just, it just feels like you're in like an army barracks or something. It felt very safe. There's, there's, there's many underground tunnels in that building. I felt like, all right, if the apocalypse is happening now, I feel good being in this building. But, um, you know, it's a place that does things a certain way and has for 46 years and we couldn't do it. And that was really challenging. I remember the first week we weren't getting the changes on the, on the cue cards on time. Not to anyone's fault. The cue cards are normally on the same floor as us, eighth floor, but they were down on the third floor because everyone was separated. And physically, what they pull off on that show normally is insane. And it, it and because of COVID, it couldn't happen in that same way. And it was a miracle that a lot of things happened the way they did. But it was really different. And then. You have the audience who consisted of healthcare workers, and they were masked, and it was a very small amount of people, so you could hear the room didn't sound the same when people were laughing, so you felt like a complete and utter failure. It's a great place for comedians, because they just, they feel so loved when they don't get a laugh. Mm -hmm. that That was really weird. It was really, it was weird, but... I was so frustrated with what was going on in the world in the election that it was cathartic in that way that to feel like you were doing something, anything, because like many people, I felt so hopeless for so long. So it was a wild thing. I'm so I'm not surprised that SNL pulled it off, but it was it was really magical that that they did. And and I'm glad I'm really, really fortunate to be a part of it.
2: In, in the finale, they showed like a clip. I think from early on, when it was like healthcare workers in the audience, and, yeah. and some guy had like a textbook. Well, he was busy like studying. He was studying, studying.
3: Remember, uh, he he was studying for an exam for a medical exam.
4: Oh
3: People were just like tickets. Yeah, cool. All right.
4: <laughs> but I just, I will just say, it's like a the idea that I work with by Rudolph is crazy to me because it's as a fan, like it really is like. It, it It's easy It's weird to think of yourself in this way But it's much easier to be like Oh, thank God for my Rudolph Thank God for her Kamala Thank God for being on SNL At that moment Because it was such a comfort to All of us to be able to see you do it And be able to see like Some version of that show in operation oh. Like at a time when it feel It felt Things felt so crazy and chaotic The idea that it was like Okay, I can watch Maya Rudolph on TV, like or on YouTube or however people are watching it is like was such a, such a comfort and such a joy. Yeah,
3: yeah. You no. good, good boy, Nate. You good boy.
2: <laughs> and then as things sort of calm down, the second half of the year to of course see Maya Rudolph play Beyonce on the Hot Ones, e- eating hot chicken wings.
4: Is,
3: that was fun. I still think. Oh, I have
4: not seen that. That was fun.
3: That was really fun.
4: That was that's like, like my, that's a combination of my two favorite things right there. Hot wings and Beyonce. And your Beyonce.
3: Yeah. It was, Um, it was one of those like Lucille ball, like goofy moments where you like, like when was the last time I've chugged a glass of milk? You know?
4: Yeah. <laughs> it's just, did how far did you, I haven't, I'm sorry to say, did you, are you nominated for that as well? Did she get nominated for her appearance on hot ones? Is that a possibility? Did you get it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you, um, how far did you get? Did you go all the way?
3: I think she only went to two. I mean, it was really hot. It was so unreal. But also, like, I think you'll you'll enjoy the names of some of the hot wings. It was like Hitler's anus <laughs> with, like, a Schofield level of life. I mean, something insane. Like, it was just so extreme and ridiculous. It was delightful.
4: And I, feel like I did it for those- real. I did the hot ones for real.
3: You did?
4: Oh, yeah. And I did, I got all the way to the end. It was the one before the last one where they, it it had an atomic bomb on it and my face started to vibrate. And then I started walking home. It was in mid, I was, I was, or I was like staying downtown and I was, you know, you recorded in midtown and I'm, I leave, I'm like, I'm going to walk off the wings, you know? And I start walking and like 10 blocks in, I'm like. Oh, I can't walk off these wings. Like these wings are about to walk off of me. What did
3: and, you, what do you mean? Like, did you, did I was,
4: you... Oh, I was about to have just flaming hot diarrhea. <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs>
3: We've referred to that as hot rain.
4: Yeah. Oh,
3: that is awful. I mean, how did you put your body through that? You just said your face was vibrating. That's a nightmare.
4: Yeah, it was a nightmare because like, I love that. I love it. I love that like show.
3: No, no glass of milk can can soothe soothe that.
4: I had a they. I think they had some buttermilk there that I thought was, <laughs> I thought it was bull semen, and I drank it all before wow. it all started because I just got so excited about that. About cream. The bull semen. Yeah,
3: that's so fucked up. That sounds horrible. You couldn't pay me one million dollars to go on that show for real. There's no way I what would. About Beyonce, I might die.
4: What about Beyonce?
3: <laughs> if Would Beyonce do it? Yeah. Let me ask her. Beyonce, <laughs> would you really? She's not here.
2: I, I, I'm surprised <laughs> why they didn't ask you after they saw that episode.
4: They didn't ask either you. I think
3: or- they got the gist of. I think they sussed me, and they were like, "She doesn't want to do this it." This
4: feels true, like this. That we got. We got what we needed out of this. So.
3: Exactly. We we we. It's done. That we took care of that. I took care of that for me and Beyonce. She doesn't have to do it now. She's good. <laughs>
2: I just I imagine the SNL writers like, you know, it's it's I'm sure just a joy whenever you are there, Maya, because they know it's like we could just like anything you do, it'll be funny.
1: like I have to
3: say it did feel like a joy. And I think that's why. I mean, I love that show because it was my childhood like dream, you know, for me being there and being in that building, I don't have many like elaborate childhood dreams. I did want to do Broadway. That didn't happen, but I think we're good now. I'm not interested really? in getting on the boards at like 50. Yeah, we're good. We're good. But sure, but honestly,
4: I got to write it now. Okay.
3: But, but you know, having something mean something to you and loving something, feeling like you've accomplished something or feel, and I brought my family and like, we've been in quarantine and like kids now know SNL really well. So that felt really nice. And, Um, it just was very meaningful. And I feel an absolute joy when I'm there, even in quarantine, we made it work. It wasn't the easiest, you know, and people, they don't have the pitch meeting anymore in that way. And like people are masked and it's not the same, like there's no 17th floor writer's room. It's not people carrying on and going to a bar after and just kind of, you know, letting off steam and coming up with dumb bits. But the essence is still there. And a lot of the people are still there, which makes me happy. And you know, just to have created a home for myself feels so good. So being able to go back to that is, I think again, in, in light of what the world feels like is I have such an appreciation for the things that mean so much to me. So I was just on a cloud. I had the best time cause I love it. I love that place and being able to be goofy there. And I think people know that enough about me now. So it's, it is a luxury to feel like people can write for me in that way. So I think Mikey and Streeter wrote that hot wings thing, just like, Oh yeah, Maya will do it. This'll be fun. It'll be mm-hmm. good. You know? And, and that's what I like about the show. That's what feels the most fun yeah. to me is getting to goof around with people. I, I love to goof around with.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so great. Well, um, Nick, let's talk about uh, you know what to expect in in upcoming. Uh, you know, you, so you mentioned season five and and the.
4: Spin. Well, I just want to say what you can expect is that I'm going to adapt the what to expect when you're expecting the movie into a musical for Broadway to Maya to start. <laughs> <laughs> so that is.
3: Can it be sitting down though? Can yeah. I do no. Sit no. Down <laughs>
4: Yeah, she's eight and a half months pregnant. Okay. So she's just sort of hanging out on a lazy boy okay. um, and singing sort of about being
3: lazy (laughs) boy, lazy boy. Is that, does that sound about right?
4: That's about right to me. So that's the thing when you, when you, when you write for Maya, you just give her a situation and she can kind of, then she makes it better. She makes it, she makes it work. Um,
3: Kind of like adapted to that Bette Midler thing where she was um, Dolores. What was her character that was in a wheelchair because she was a mermaid. And so I can just wheel around. (laughs)
4: Yeah whatever whatever that is yes for sure well t- the whole movie the whole play the whole broadway show is you in the lobby waiting to be admitted in the wheelchair With a before mermaid? you give birth so oh, like she's got to be I'm not, the- I'm
3: not a mermaid
4: you're well you're a mermaid giving birth it's the it. uh, it's called the big mermaid and it's <laughs> so
3: it's a water birth
4: it's a, wa- yes, it's all, it's always a water birth.
3: This is interesting. Um, People don't know what to expect when mermaids give birth.
4: Yeah, it's what to expect when you're expecting a, a, a mermaid water birth. And it's, Disney's tied in now because it is sort of Little Mermaid. They own some rights to it.
3: So. Sorry, but see what happens when you when you like, get these guys in a room together?
4: Lose, you lose. A workshop. Um, my brother here is delivering a sandwich. Oh, great. Rap service. <laughs> Hi, Maya.
3: Hello. How are you? Happy Friday. Happy Friday the 13th.
4: Whoa. Um, My brother's delivering me a sandwich from the deli that I went to in high school all the time. I still remember the name of the sandwich that I got.
3: I was going to say, did you get the same sandwich? Yeah. What is it?
4: It's the chicken cutlet with a chicken cutlet with bacon.
3: Oh, baby,
4: yeah, baby
3: sandwich. I worked
4: hard on my my interview. I worked hard on my variety podcast. I deserve my baby sandwich. Yeah. You do. Um, you do. What's
2: What's the name of the place, the sandwich shop that you got it from?
4: Rock Ridge, Rock Ridge Deli. There which, we go. if what? you're a, if you're a Blazing Saddles fan, it might mm-hmm.
3: Rock Ridge.
4: Yeah, it's uh, no connection to that though. Yeah, no, an Italian friendly from uh, Calabria.
3: <laughs> I'm still gonna tell Mel Brooks. I exactly. will too. Bye. nice
4: to, see you. Nice, Bye. to Bye. see you. nice to see
3: you.
4: Thanks. Happy
3: Friday the thirteenth.
4: Jesus. It's the second time you brought that up. Hi, guys. It's the second time. Don't
3: worry about
4: it. Um, what to expect? Uh season from season five of Big Mouth. Yeah. Um, so many laughs. So many good times. Talk- honestly, I we finished writing. St-
3: I don't. Know, I don't remember.
4: I don't remember where we are. You know, because season four has aired. We finished season five a year ago. We've written.
3: Wait, what am I, I saying? I think I know, but I no, maybe I don't. I'm getting a little confused because of human resources too.
4: Yes, and that's a, okay. So, oh, here's there is a new. Um, there's a there's. What to expect is um God, I'm I'm now I'm panicking. What what you can expect.
3: Oh my god, you're sweating.
4: <laughs> I'm just just pouring. You guys can't see it on a podcast, but I'm ripping nose it's of sweat. And then I get nervous and I drink
2: all over again.
4: I drink oh the god. drip. Get some
2: buttermilk
3: stack.
4: I know. I need to get I need to get Beyonce's prop department from SNL to bring me a big glass of Milk. Um, there's a, it's, it's a, a, there's a lot of like relationships coming together and breaking apart. It's another themed season and no, am I wrong? I might be wrong. I honestly don't. It's no, I'm right. I'm sorry guys. This is embarrassing, but you have to understand we, I, I remember, the right I, I remember, so far in advance, we have to do so far in advance that I'm like, we finished season five, uh, well over a year ago. At least. Yeah. So it's um some we got some great we got some lots of laughs. We got some big heart. Um we've got uh we Mori and Connie's relationship really starts to develop further in season five.
3: That is correct. We get some um, nice nice quality time.
4: And um and we do a lot of we do some stuff that will set up some new characters for human resources as well. Okay. Um, it's kind of this really fun, weird thing that we'll, we'll be experimenting with, but where you have this other show where, you know, Connie and Maury are are somewhat the bridge between Big Mouth and now human resources. And there's stuff that's happening to them in, in Big Mouth that transitions over to human resources. And then we're now writing, we've now written Big Mouth post human resources and their relationship continues to, evolve through it. So it's kind of a really fun, weird way. I don't know if there are other shows where that happens like that. But um like you're not checking in on Sam Malone on Fraser. You know what I mean? Right.
3: Well there was Joni loves Chachi.
4: There was. And politically Maya and Scott Bayo are very aligned at this point.
2: <laughs> oh oh you yeah. uh the, the, the BMCU, the Big Mouth Creative Universe. You're, you're
4: exactly. Excited.
2: It's a
3: mul- Oh, it's a multiverse,
4: yeah. It's a multiverse. It's yeah. a multiverse, it's a multiverse as we've all suspected.
2: Very excited about that. Um, well, congratulations on the nominations. Thank you. Very proud. Best of luck to, to both of you. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, uh, eventually you can all do this in person again. And... Fingers crossed,
3: uh, world. Mm-hmm. And by, by the time you you know you finish that sandwich, we might all be together again.
4: Honestly, I then to- it'll be about four minutes from now. Like, does this look like high school to you? I mean, come on.
3: Yes. Oh, is it fried? Is it, is it like a like a breaded chicken sandwich? It's a
4: chicken cutlet. It's a breaded chicken cutlet.
3: Oh, that's oh, that's nice. That's oh, and a Kaiser
4: roll? <laughs> oh, like Is that a Kaiser roll? Lettuce, sliced tomato, Ooh. crispy bacon. Oh,
3: Kaiser roll? Kaiser you, got a, roll. Got a, <laughs> poppy, you got a Poppy roll? We got a Poppy Kaiser roll, bro. Oh. <laughs>
2: Well, now I'm hungry. So in the meantime, that's Emmy nominees Maya Rudolph of SNL and Big Mouth and Nick Kroll of Big Mouth. And after the break, everything you want to know about Indian matchmaking from Antisema. From Los Angeles, this is Variety's Award Circuit Podcast.
0: Our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa saga. Hellblade 2. Play
2: it now with Game Pass. And we're back. It's the award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. Netflix's Indian Matchmaking offers an inside look at the custom of matchmaking in Indian cultures through a contemporary lens. Matchmaker Seema Taparia guides clients in the U.S. and India in the arranged marriage process, offering an inside look at the custom in a modern era.
1: Cheers. Cheers. What would
4: be like a relaxing 10 days for you? What would you do for 10 days?
0: Why did you put the word relaxing in front of it? Can you relax? Not for me. I will talk to you never.
5: So fickle-minded and fussy. And I'm here to help them. In India, the marriages, they are between two families. So the parents guide their children. And that is the work of a matchmaker. Very nice person. Understand sense of
0: humor. You know how I hate comedy.
5: Variety's
2: Jazz Tanke spoke to Auntie Seema from Indian Matchmaking on the contestants, dating advice, and how she got into matchmaking. But first, she talked about the amazing reaction that the show has received around the world.
5: When we shot this uh, Indian matchmaking, I never thought that this show will rock the world. And this has touched the millions and millions of people's heart in the world. People who have watched this show, they have liked me. They have liked the way I portrayed myself, my Indian values in the show. my honesty. And the way I'm talking, the way how I'm talking to you, the same I'm talking there. Because it's an unscripted show. It's a reality show. There are no dialogues. And whatever it's coming from my heart and the way I work with Indian community here and in US and all. So that I have portrayed, they have portrayed me the same way. How I behave, how I talk and how I work. And people, they identify themselves. They relate to themselves in this show. So people have asked some thousands of ladies and gents, what did you like in the show? They said, we loved Seema Auntie. I love that. I would we love, love Sima Aunty. I told her, uh, like, uh, what do you like in Seema Aunty? She's so simple. She's humble. She's honest. And she's just straightforward. The way she is, she is in the show. Nothing is extra. Like what she's in the real life. The same thing. She's so simple and straightforward. So Jazz, they have liked me in the show. And I never dreamt that the show will rock the world and the whole world will love me. I just worked for love and respect for me. And I got love and respect from the world. And fame was the byproduct. Hmm. So God is great. People have loved me in the shows as. So did you love the show, Jazz? Did you like the show?
0: I loved it. You know what I loved about it? You know, it's Ah. not just not just what you were saying about the values, but I also love the characters like, you know, Aparna became uh, an Internet sensation. Why do you think she was the one that stood out above everybody else that was on 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 this show? Uh, Josh, even she was honest. So people have loved her.
5: And she changed. After the show, she changed a lot. Her nature was changed after the show. First, she was different Aparna. Then after, when the show was ending, she was a different queer character. So she has changed herself for good.
0: So people have loved her. How did the show change you? You know, you talk about it changing Aparna, but what about for you? What did it bring into you, your world? Uh yes,
5: the show has changed me. Like on 17th July, the show was released. And from 18 July, I, I used to get 1,000 phone calls, 1,000 daily. So it was maddening. It was COVID. Nobody was there to pick up the phone. But the people throughout the world, they called me for three, four months daily. I used to get 1,000 phone calls. I got some 5,000 uh, profiles, bio data. Matchmaking for inquiries. I got thousands of phone calls. So, the the show, the people wanted me to work for them. And in my life, also, the show has changed me a lot. I never dreamt that the show will rock the world and people will really love this in each and every corner of the world. And the show and the US people told Key Seema has put India on the world map. Such a big thing they have told Jazz. That everybody is just talking of Indian matchmaking, India and Seema Taparia. So thanks, God is great. Um, yeah. And my responsibility also increased because I have to I have to work for so many people. I'm helping them. So it's I'm very proud that I'm helping those people to find a proper match. So the show has changed me in this way.
0: Yeah. I mean, when did you know the show obviously sparked an interest in matchmaking? Because you know traditionally it's, it's you know the the spotlight has always been on dating shows, but talk about how you know you got your start in matchmaking and how the industry has changed since you started.
5: Uh after seeing the show, all the youngsters they want now to that they came to know what is the concept of arranged marriage. So many youngsters have changed from love marriage to arranged marriage. They say at first they thought arranged marriage is something different. But after seeing the show, they came to know, ki, oh, wow, we can give a list of criterias. And then the matchmaker can match that. So it's very nice. So now the youngsters, so many people have changed their concept from love marriage to arranged marriage. So the show has changed them. After, after seeing this show, they have changed the concept. They have understood the concept what is arranged
0: marriage. And what's so interesting about that, you know, you you talk about arranged marriages, you know, this is, it's bringing that concept into Western world because it's so much a part of Eastern culture. But talk about, you know, the families, like how, you know, like, and I'm going to use the partner as an example again, like her mother was always involved in it, you know, in that, like, how much should the, the families and the parents all, all weigh in and give their their opinion? Where is that ultimate decision? Is that going to be with the, the couple or is it the parents? Who talk about those expectations. In arranged marriage,
5: the involvement of the families, both the families, from the girl and from the boy. So it is uh, like... Uh, uh, it is a bonded thing. When two families are involved, the bond becomes more strong. And some, if some problem is there between the girl and the boy in the marriage, the two families come and they stand stand, and they work out the problem. That is the advantage of the arranged marriage. In love marriage, this is not their just. In arranged, when two families are standing, they have a very big support to fix a family together. If any problem is coming, Two families can stand and they can help each other. So that is the biggest advantage in arranged marriage.
0: Yeah. So what sparked your interest in, in the matchmaking business?
5: What? did I did not understand.
0: What started your interest in the matchmaking industry? Just since childhood, I had a unique ability
5: to talk to people to understand their personalities. And uh, I used to like to, I'm fond of socializing, meeting people, connecting the matches, connecting people to people. This all I had since childhood, I had a unique ability. God has given me the ability. Then I thought, why, why don't I start this, helping the community by showing the matches? Because in India, at that time, I started this 15 years ago. So arranged marriages in India, we have at least 60% of arranged marriage. So I thought, why not I help a community? By helping a community, I feel a sense of satisfaction. I have helped some people. So then I thought this, when I had all these characteristics, all these abilities in me, all this uh, understanding the personality, talking to people, being social, remembering the matches and... Uh, everything so i thought why don't i start and help the people so i started this and i get a lot of blessings divine blessings from the couple from couple and from their parents so this is a very divine thing what i'm doing yeah god has sent me on this earth to help people to do the matches so i'm doing God's work on the earth
0: you talk about destiny, you know, we talk, you talk about it in the show too, of, you know, a lot of it is up to, to destiny and, you know, with the Netflix series, unfortunately, or as it turned out, none of the couples actually were the perfect match as such. Like, what were the pressures of, was there a a pressure to, to fight, to make sure that people matched and When nothing worked out, like, how did you feel personally, given you're so, this is something that you're very successful at and this is your career?
5: Jazz, uh, we worked only for five months. The show shooting was only for five months. So in five months, it is not possible that uh, the matches will happen. The matches will go for one year, two year also many times. So just... Netflix wanted to show the process of Indian matchmaking to the world. That this is the process, how the Indians do their matches. Just they wanted to show the process. And they have showed the process. And for the matches to become successful, they were not, I mean, they have not planned that they have to show the matches. So only in five months, and it's not possible in five months to do any matchmaking. So just what they wanted to show that there's they're successful in showing the process of matchmaking.
0: So what advice would you give to the young people out there watching, thinking, oh, I think I would like to become a professional matchmaker? Like, what would you say to those people?
5: Uh, very good question, Jas.
0: Um,
5: I I would like to give the advice to the young people that, when you choose your partner, you see that you, you will get 70%. If you are liking that, you should proceed. Because 100% nobody has got. In 70%, it might be studies, it might be character, it might be good family, it might be hobbies, anything. Whatever you like in 70%, if you, if you are agreed, if you are happy, if you are satisfied, then you should proceed. 100% you have not got. So this is my advice to the young couple. And you have to balance your family life and personal life. Because you must not see that uh, you must not see that uh, uh, we are just, uh, I mean, we are working, we are not seeing the family. You should have a special this that you have to see both the family life and the professional life. Then only the life get balanced and you are, the couple becomes happy. So you have to balance and see both the things. So this advice I have to I'll give the young couple.
0: Yeah, and I mean, do you keep in touch with any of the contestants who were on the first season of Indian matchmaking? Like, do you are you following their journey? Are you still working with them?
5: Yeah, I am in touch with them. Recently, two or two members contestants have got engaged. Recently, this in one month, three of them have got. One is married, and two have two are engaged. So I'm in touch with everybody, just.
0: That's incredible. And, you know, another popular character was Nadia. Um, and, you know, there was that whole situation with Vinay on there. Talk about, you know, Nadia and, you know, matching her on the show. And I guess she was the first real heartbreaker, right? Um, yeah. So talk about matching her. Love.
5: Very good girl with a very good heart. She has her emotional values, a very good and clean heart. And she's a very nice girl, Nadia. And uh, all, all are my favorites. All the contestants are my favorite, including Nadia. So I can tell that she's a very nice soul and very good at heart. And she's very charming and she's very good to talk. And she has very good family values.
0: Would you like to see uh, an Indian matchmaking season one reunion show just, you know, to reunite everybody and see what they're doing? How would you feel about that? I feel like the audience wants, there's a thirst for, you know, the continued story.
5: Uh, yes, I'm I'm in touch with everybody, all the participants. They all are lovely. They are very nice. They treated me so nicely when I was shooting with them and I think them like my family members so I'm very happy that they all are very good to me.
0: So what can you tease us about season two of Indian Matchmaking?
5: Yeah, I'm just Netflix will decide everything so I cannot tell anything about that but I'm all sure we right. are yeah, going to start soon. But everything depends on Netflix when they decide the dates are on.
0: We will watch this space. Yeah. Do you have any any last words of advice for people out there? I would tell the people that little
5: compromise, little adjustment, and little flexible. If a little love and respect, give and take for the couple. If you follow little these things, then the life will go smoothly. You all will not have problems because compromise we do everywhere. Why not we do in our married life? We do at our work, we do everywhere, everywhere we do little compromise and adjustment. And if we do in our married life, then the married life will go smoothly. So this
0: I advise I give to the people. What do you think of dating apps out there? Like there are so many. What do you think of?
5: Jazz, I don't know anything about them because my way of working is different, but good luck to them. I can just wish good luck to them.
2: That's Seema Taparia, star of Netflix's Indian Matchmaking. And that's it for this bonus edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Emmy predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Daniel Terciano and Jazz Tanke, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit.